Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. And today we indeed do have a real live newsmaker on the with us. Dale Falwell, the North Carolina State Treasurer, the 28th Treasurer of the state of North Carolina. And now uh, 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 very much in the news because of a recent announcement uh, about one of the major duties of the state treasurer, and that is the state health care plan. So, Dale, let's just jump right into that. That's very much in the news. What's the status of that whole situation right now? Well, thank you, Don, for describing me as real and live. I like being both those. Um, <laughs> let me uh, let me tell your uh, listeners what's going on. Uh, we have never had an insurer at the state health plan. Uh, as you know, we it's a third party administrative contract where they handle all the back office. We are self-insured. What that means to your listeners is that when we are presenting hundreds of millions of dollars with the bills every month, we pay them. And Blue Cross Blue Shield has been the third party administrator of this plan for forty three years. Every three to five years, we put this contract out for bid because even somebody, even though somebody's had the contract for that long, uh, the government should never feel like it's anybody's right to have that contract. And uh, we put that contract out for bid <laughs> last year and uh, at, uh, Blue Cross did not receive the highest score. Aetna did. And, uh, you know, what's so important about that is that you know, Aetna obviously is a huge corporation. They have twice as many employees in North Carolina as Blue Cross Blue Shield does. And when people start talking about uh, this subject, uh, I want to inform, especially all those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve who are on this plan. Our only focus is who can bring the best value to our members, those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve, and taxpayers like them. Aetna won. Uh, this bid. Uh, we are excited about partnering with them. And I also want to tell you that Blue Cross Blue Shield is headquartered in Durham, as you know. The third party administrative contract for Duke University is with Aetna. The third party administrative contract with the city of Durham is with Aetna. So my point is, is that Aetna already does a ton of business in this state. So, uh, again, I, I think it's very important because I think most people think that Blue Cross Blue Shield is the insurer. As you're saying, they handle the administrative duties, but the state is self-insured. Uh, that There's a big difference in that. We are self-insured. And for your listeners, what that means is this. Blue Cross, and I say this biblically, which means it's true yesterday, it's true today, and it'll be true tomorrow. Blue Cross Blue Shield does not set our deductibles, does not set our benefits, does not set our premiums. The State Health Plan Board of Trustees has always done that, and they, that's true yesterday, true today, and be true tomorrow. There's simply the, as you want to think about this, Don, if you think about an automobile, uh, a chassis, a, a frame, a body, and an engine, what we've done is we've simply changed out the transmission interesting way of putting it so now now you're also at the same time uh in your role of looking after the benefits uh, that are actually paid you are also uh discussing with hospitals their pricing transparency uh, that's a different matter than the one we're discussing now am i correct in saying that 
it is a different matter as far as this particular bid is concerned. It's not a different matter to your listeners. Uh, healthcare is the only thing in their life that they don't consume. It consumes them. Whether it's yourself, Don, or uh, Jason, or your employees, uh, it's the only thing in your life that even after you've consumed it, you don't know the price and value of what you got. Now, I say this in respect to President Biden and former President Trump, who both signed executive orders to get rid of secret contracts. They were sued not once but twice by the Healthcare Association and the Chamber of Commerce. The second time they were sued, Don, uh, the Healthcare Association, I'm paraphrasing, said this to the Wall Street Journal. We don't think telling people what things cost lead them to make better decisions. Now, people as old as you and I are, Don, are offended by that because today is Senior Citizen Day at Harris Teeter. So that's when you and I go buy our groceries because we get our Senior Citizen discount. It defies all economic law to say that just by telling people what things cost, it would lead them to make poor decisions is the audacity of what we're dealing with, with healthcare and healthcare pricing, healthcare access, and healthcare billing. Well, another way of looking at that is the price of cars. Everyone knows what the price of cars are, and some people choose to buy a Lexus or a Cadillac or an Infiniti, and some people choose to buy a Kia or a, a lower-priced car. So pricing uh, uh, proves out that people will pay more if they express, expect more value, and they'll pay less if they expect less value. Well, you're exactly right. You know, what I thought you were going to say is some people would choose a Lexus, a Cadillac, and Infinity, and some people would choose to drive cars like yours, Mr. Treasurer. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I thought you were going to say. Well, um, yours, only, yours only has two wheels. Is that not right? <laughs> I got some with two wheels and some with four. But <laughs> my point is, is that uh, uh, you're right. Uh, people deserve, especially on a product they don't want to consume, uh, you know, raise your hand, your listeners, raise your hand if you ever want to consume health care. Nobody wants to consume health care, but they have to from time to time. And then when they do, it consumes them. The other thing we're seeing a lot of ads on television about right now is the Medicare Advantage plans. How does that affect state employees? Boy, that's a great question. You know, Joe Namath, he's, he, he's still got the spell on people men and women across the country. Uh, we literally have people, unfortunately, state employees who see those commercials and they sign up for Medicare Advantage, even though the Medicare Advantage that we give our retirees, you're not going to believe this, zero premium to the member, zero cost to the taxpayer. So there is absolutely never, ever any reason to buy anything that J.J. Walker or Joe Namath are trying to sell. Because we have negotiated this contract on behalf of 150,000 retirees. Now, that that's you're speaking about state employees. There may be a reason for non-state employees to buy it. That's exactly right. And I apologize for that boat, but I was so enthusiastic about uh, bragging about what's going on with the, uh, with the state health plan as far as our Medicare Advantage product. I didn't listen as closely as I should to your question. Now, uh, Jason also has on here savings for retirees with supplemental insurance plans. Tell me about that. 
Well, we have, uh, in addition for our people over the age of 65, and I'll be on Medicare this year. I know it's hard for you to believe, uh, but uh, we have been able on the Medicare Advantage, zero premium to the member, no cost to the taxpayer. With our regular employees who are not uh, Medicare eligible, we have been able to freeze family premiums for five straight years and not mess around with deductibles. And to Jason's point, uh, we also run the supplemental, which is the retiree dental and vision. And even with the increased costs of dental and vision, we've been able to take advantage of our largeness and reduce the premiums every year for the last five years. And my point of saying all that is that I get to report this uh, to, you know, the newsmaker viewers, our listeners, but it's no doubt that I'm standing on the shoulders of a lot of hardworking people here at the treasurer's office who negotiate these contracts on behalf of those that teach, protect, and serve, and ultimately taxpayers like them. Now, if... Uh... I, I, I'm sure there are some people who are opposed to this change. What are what are their concerns? What are their problems? What are they bringing up to you that you'd like to answer? Well, uh, the first thing is that, you know, anytime somebody's had the contract for 43 years, they say, why now? And the reason is, and you know this, Don, through some of your public service on the Board of Governors and the Board of Trustees, and we are obligated by law to put out some of these contracts three every three to five years. And that's all that we did. And we put out this RFP process, which is currently being protested. Uh, and, and the reason that we do that is that we're required to do that. And secondly, we have a professional contracting staff that overlooks all the bids that come in. And it's ironic that, you know, as Blue Cross has been, had this business for 44 years, nobody has ever protested them but yet when they lose the contract for the first time, they're gonna protest the bid. So we are confident of how this will shake out. But the fact is, is this contract is not a right of Blue Cross Blue Shield. This money does not belong to Blue Cross Blue Shield. This money belongs to those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve and taxpayers like them. It's also important to talk about that Blue Cross Blue Shield still has two years left on this contract. I was convinced after having a Zoom call with the uh, chairman of the board, especially, uh, that they were going to finish strong. But but from that moment, uh, the CEO of Blue Cross has decided to go low, even though we're going to be in this marriage with them for another two years. And you may ask yourself, why two years? Because this is a very long runway when it comes to uh, properly uh, uh, making sure that our members' needs are met. So basically, there's not going to be, regardless to any other decisions that are made, there's not going to be any changes for two years anyway. Right. And now what we hope to do in that period of time is actually reduce family premiums. And, you know, I say this as elegantly as I can. We need more of Jason's and Jason's age group and Jason's family health characteristics to offset people like you and I. It's an insurance company. <laughs> You can't have just people our age in an insurance company, Don. So we need to lower these family premiums so that we can actually attract younger, healthier people to the state health plan. That's all we've ever tried to do is we focus on the members, members and members and try to bring the best value uh, to them on everything that we do at the treasurer's office. 
So let me see if I can summarize this. The insurance company in this particular case happens to be the state of North Carolina. Exactly. The, the company that administrates the program is Blue Cross Blue Shield. Exactly. And uh, that's a different role for them than they have with their ordinary policyholders. Right. They have a whole book of business that has to do with commercial underwriting uh, for companies like yourself. Well, that's interesting, and I think that that's probably a point that the, the most people are probably, uh, uh, at the very least, a little confused on, and, and perhaps this will help them understand it a little bit better. Well, I certainly appreciate this long explanation. We're going to turn uh, in our conversation with State Treasurer Dale Falwell to other concerns that are happening in his office and under his uh, supervision, and we'll do that when we take a break. For some messages and we'll do that right now we'll be back right after these messages you wanted to see me yes please have a seat so here's the thing when this company brought you on we took a chance on you you didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for right but we gave you a shot anyway and since then you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all thanks you've been an important asset to the team but i don't think you can be an intern here anymore <sighs> we want to hire you you're you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, a frequent guest on our program, North Carolina State Treasurer Dale Falwell. We spent the first session talking about the major change of insurance administrators uh, and the changes that that will bring about in two years from now, and also some concerns that uh, uh, some other folks have about that uh, arrangement. We talked about that in the first segment, so if you missed that segment, you may want to go back uh, and listen to it on carolinanewsmakers.com's website. What I want to talk about right now is uh, the other side of the matter, and that is this matter of hospital and pricing transparency, and particularly um, the price of prescription drugs uh, I know this is not uh, uh, a, a concern or, or, or I mean, it's obviously a concern of yours, but what is being done on the federal level uh, and is enough being done to sort of control the price of prescriptions? Because this seems to be a major concern of many, many of our listeners. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, prescription drug prices are in our purview. Uh, as the keeper of the public purse, the state treasurer of North Carolina and the chair of the board of trustees, uh, in addition to being the largest purchaser of health care in North Carolina, we're also the largest purchaser of pharmaceuticals in North Carolina. We recently renegotiated our contract 
with our pharmacy benefit manager. Uh, it's resulting in $800 million in savings in three years. When you combine it with what we talked about in the earlier segment, Don, uh, we're talking about nearly $2 billion in savings just on our pharmacy contract and our Medicare Advantage contract. And so, uh, you know, we talk about billions and billions of dollars a lot on this show. And people say, well, how do you get there? It's sort of like an ant eating a ham biscuit. Uh, it's one bite at a time. Uh, just like at Curtis Media or all the businesses that uh, advertise with Curtis Media or all the uh, employers that listen to this show, uh, they have to watch the pennies and the paper clips, no matter how big they are. Well, you know, one of the concerns that uh, uh, we have is that most of the research on new drugs is being done by the drug companies, but it seems like one of the concerns that many people have is drugs that they've been taking for some time uh, and uh, the cost of those drugs keeps going up. Well, obviously, the research on those drugs was done 15, 20 years ago. Uh, exactly right. And how did, how did you bring down those costs? Well, we brought it down by taking advantage of our largeness and being the largest purchaser of those products. In addition to that, we did something I'm very, very proud of. We eliminated the cost of insulin. Uh, the cost of insulin, Don, has gone up supposedly fourfold in the last seven years. I don't think insulin has changed in, in a great degree, by a great degree, since I helped my grandmother uh, take insulin shots in 1965. Uh, but the price has gone up dramatically. And the reason that we eliminated the cost of insulin is simply this. Uh, I used to stutter, so I have to struggle with this word. When people are not insulin adherent, it puts them in a healthcare vortex that oftentimes they never recover from. Whether it's diabetes or gangrene or loss of limb or, or circulatory issues. So uh, the last thing I want with the price of insulin going up so much is people not being insulin adherent not taking their insulin then puts us in a financial vortex where they need other medical attention. So at the State Health Plan Board of Trustees, we focus on doing the most good for the most number of people, and that's what we did with our insulin policy. Well, that's a good example of exactly what I'm hearing from so many people is why what did cause the price of insulin, which is, as you said, is an old drug. It's been around forever. It hasn't changed dramatically. Why suddenly would it go up, uh, up four times? And, and everyone who takes insulin will tell you that it does. And in addition to that, uh, vets have now discovered insulin for, for dogs. And so well, many pet owners are now having to buy insulin. Well, the, the cost went up because it can, not because it should. Interesting point. Well, let's turn to some other things. Uh, the uh, of course you also for years been looking at your management fees in the North Carolina pension plan. Tell us exactly where the pension plan stands this day as far as uh, how it's doing. Uh, you know we're in a period of where we've had uh, some uh, reductions in the values of some stocks. The stock market goes up and down right now. It's in a period of being down. How has the pension plan suffered uh, through this this period of time? I'm being I'm. Uh very excited to report that we entered 2022 and since the beginning of, in, in the last year we've seen the highest volatility of stock and bond prices in your my lifetime 
And we entered 2022 with the highest levels of cash equivalents. Some people put say it's cash under the mattress, which is so ridiculous. Cash equivalents, things that earn interest, and the shortest duration of bonds in the history of the state of North Carolina. So last year, Don, we were down 10%. A lot of the pension plans were down twice that amount. Do I like reporting that to your uh, listeners? The answer is no. But the fact is, is that uh, our pension plan has always been conservatively managed. Whether it's myself or previous treasurers, we've never pretended to have a crystal ball and we've never pretended to gamble with the hard-earned assets. Uh, we don't own cryptocurrency. We don't own SPACs. I didn't say Spanx. We actually own Spanx because we have an investment in Blackstone, which bought the company Spanx. Uh, we don't own any Bitcoin. Uh, my point of saying that to you, these risky things that a lot of other pension plans invested in, we don't have any of that. Well, and of course, having a, a large cash reserve uh, when the market does turn around, it would be safe to do uh, a real allocation of funds at that point in time and actually see a big increase. Is that something that you would be uh, entertaining? Well, yes. Uh, we have put a few billion dollars of to work over the last eight weeks, Don. We have things that were earning interest. They were earning one half of 1%. We've put that money into some intermediate term high grade corporate bonds over the last seven weeks. We're earning nearly 6%. You start talking about earning nearly 6% versus a half of 1% on billions and tens and tens of billions of dollars, it starts making the pension plan much more solvent. Now, I want to be absolutely clear with your listeners that inflation is a thief. And as these interest rates have gone up, the cost to eat, the cost to heat, and the cost to uh, live have gone up dramatically. High interest rates are horrific if you want to invest in your mind, if you want to buy a business or buy a home. But high interest rates help pension plans like ours earn more interest monies. Well, you know, there's, there's always good with bad in the economy. Uh, and as you said, the, uh, the whole purpose of our pension plan is always to be on the safe side. You have often given us examples of just how big our pension plan is in North Carolina. How about doing that one more time for our listeners? Be glad to. And uh, you and Jason and others know this. My, my wife is uh, uh, an amazing person. And I mentioned her because you have a lot of listeners out there who teach, protect, and otherwise serve. And we need to remember it's not just about them. It's about their spouses and their families that put up with a lot for a public servant. And uh, my wife is, uh, anytime that she does anything for you, uh, you can see it, you can hear it. And as you and Jason and I all three know, you can taste it uh, because she's a tour guide at Old Salem where I describe her as the cutest 250-year-old woman you've ever met in your life uh, because she dresses up in the period uniform of 250 years ago. And she's also a muddy sneaker, so she takes fifth graders out in the woods and teaches them biology. What does all that have to do with your question? Well, it's never a bad thing to remember the spouses of public servants. 
But secondly, she always admonishes me. I use that word gingerly. She always admonishes me that when I'm talking about billions or hundreds of millions of dollars to put things in context, which is the basis of your question. This $110 billion pension plan is the 25th largest pool of public money in the world. In and of itself, it is four times larger than the state budget, four times. And my point of saying that to you is that behind a public servant's health and their spiritual relationship and their family, the two most important things are the safety and security of this pension plan and the state health plan. And that's why we take this so seriously. Well, compared to other states, uh, how would you rate our pension plan as far as its safety and security and its uh, longevity? Well, thanks. Uh, it's not how I would rate it. It was how, it was how our consultants and our actuaries rate it. Uh, those that teach, protect, and serve. Now, this is not just state employees, but it's local employees, it's National Guard, volunteer firefighters, the judicial, legislative system, register of deeds, and others. Uh, the people are in this plan are in one of the safest, most secure plans in the United States, if not the world. You know, being at 86% funded compares to South Carolina, which is 60% funded. Alabama, 58% funded. One of the uh, Kentucky retirement systems, 30% funded. And the reason I'm putting that in context is my wife says, when you talk about all this stuff, just compare it to other states, basically like your question is done. So we're very proud. And when I report this to you, I want to be clear. I'm standing on the shoulders of those that uh, the people in the investment management division who have not only partnered with me to save $700 million in Wall Street fees, but they've also invested this money very, very conservatively in the best interest of our members. That is what that is the reason when these reports come out every six months on our pension plan, it shows that we have one of the most safest and risk averse pension plans in the United States. And I'm standing on the shoulders of not only our investment management division, but also all previous state treasurers. Bill, I know this is not your problem, but uh, just out of curiosity, those underfunded uh, states that you just mentioned, uh, there's going to come a day of reckoning. How are they going to uh, how are they going to handle that when that day comes? <laughs> it's going to affect uh, what other things they get to spend their money on, whether it's investing in infrastructure or lowering their debt or giving salary increases, it's going to highly affect all that stuff. Uh, secondly, uh, and most importantly, uh, for your listeners to know, is that corporate recruiters and people who are thinking about expanding or relocating in North Carolina, it may not be the person that the economic developer is having a Caesar salad with, but somebody somewhere in those organizations is like me. They have the green eye shades and a little pocket protector and they're actually calculating this. And they know that they don't wanna to go to a state that's gonna have some of these big unfunded healthcare and pension liabilities. We have a big unfunded healthcare liability. They do not wanna to go to another state where they're gonna be asked to fill a hole that they did not dig. And I think it's one of many reasons why your listeners already know this because you've reported across Curtis Media extensively that North Carolina was designated number one 
and business outlook and business activity for the first time in state history. It's that certainty that businesses that are going to expand or relocate are looking for. Well, you're exactly right. No one wants to go into a situation where they know that they may have a liability down the road that they didn't bargain for. That's, that's uh, I'm sure, something that they are looking at. Our guest is Dale Falwell, State Treasurer of North Carolina. We will be back with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers after we take time out for these messages. Steven. Who said that? Me. Down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Play in puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Dale Falwell. Our first segment, we talked a lot about the changes in the uh, uh, health care system administrator. And we've also talked a lot about pricing and, and also some other issues in the second segment. But now I want to turn to another word that we're hearing a lot about and how this might affect the state of North Carolina and how it might affect uh, our, our listeners and especially the state employees. And that's the R word, recession. We're hearing that. Uh, I think almost everyone that we have talked to on this program has said that if we have a recession, it's likely to be a mild one. But North Carolina is in a period of growth. And uh, so we, uh, at least what I'm hearing, Dale, and would like to get your comments, is if we have a recession in North Carolina, probably will be even less than maybe what the, the national picture would look like. What's, what's your assessment and uh, how will our, the, the recession word, affect us here in North Carolina? Well, we're always concerned about the R word. We're always concerned about the I word. But you and I are old enough to also to know about another word that nobody has thought about in over half a century, and that is stagflation. Stagflation is when the cost of things go up, but the economic activity is going down. That's what we all suffered through in the in the mid seventies. Uh, recession uh, is we are seeing some business slow down. We're seeing a rolling over of some of the hot housing markets uh, across the United States, but in some parts of North Carolina. But it's a very serious issue when people are having to pay more money for goods and services, and let have less opportunity to earn that money. And that's what's so damning 
and damaging about not only recessions, but inflation and possibly even stagflation? Well, as I said, uh, the good news, I guess, if there is good news about the R word, is that usually recessions are accompanied with a lot of widespread unemployment. In North Carolina, the job market still appears to be decently strong. Uh, some people, of course, will be affected, but there are still a lot of help-wanted signs out. People uh, 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 can find jobs, I think, in North Carolina, whereas in many states, they might not be able to find jobs. And so I guess that's the good news. Let's let's turn to another concern that you have made a priority in your tenure as treasurer hey, Don, of North Don, Carolina. Don, can I interject yeah. and say, and sure. that's what I love about your format is it it gives your listeners an opportunity to be informed not just somebody pat them on the back and affirm about how they might feel about a subject. What's so ironic about two things you just mentioned in the last four minutes is the unemployment rate. The unemployment rate, you know this, but your listeners may be shocked to hear this, only includes those people who are able, available, and seeking employment. Is that really the unemployment rate? <laughs> I think some of these terms that we use need to be refreshed. and. The inflation rate, as you know, Don, sometimes is reported without food and energy. Now, who can live without food and energy? And my point of just stopping you for a moment is to tell your, your listeners that when it comes to all these matters, it doesn't matter which topic we're talking about. At the end of the day, especially in this society right now, they just deserve to be spoken to like adults. And what they hear makes common sense. What doesn't make common sense, as you know, is for the unemployment rate to be this low and employers like you and me having so much trouble getting workers. Uh, it doesn't, something is not connecting here. And uh, as I think I mentioned it a few newsmakers ago, I, as I get out and ride around my motorcycle in the country just to get, you know, for some mental health, I, you know, growing up, I would always see applications inside, apply inside. And, you know, now we see signage that says we hire immediately. Um, that's what's going on. And I don't think anybody has a clear answer about where all the workers went. Well, and of course, that means uh, uh, revenue to the state because those people aren't paying tax. Uh, because if they're not working, they don't have income. And so therefore, they can't pay tax. Right. Interesting. Uh, as you said, this is this is uh, uncharted territory for us, as far as uh, uh, the typical terms of what normally causes a recessionary period. Uh, I was getting ready to turn to one other area that you've always been very concerned about, and that is saving money by fighting fraud uh, in the pension system and in disability overpayments. Uh, give us an update on where you stand on that and, and how that's coming along. Well, we continue to watch the pennies and the paper clips, and you know, uh, there's, there's people ask me to comment on this topic occasionally, and I could probably spout off some really uh, interesting uh, tidbit or interesting fact that actually happened at the treasurer's office. You know, most, for the most part, I'm restricted by doing that either by HIPAA laws or other types of laws. But what I can tell you is this. At the treasurer's office, even though in, we manage a quarter of a trillion dollars, that's 250 billion. 
people say, what, what, what can you possibly focus on when you've got that many duties and responsibilities and you're managing that much money? And Don, I think you'll appreciate this. We focus on the number one. If there's one person who is getting disability that doesn't deserve it, that's one too many. If there's one person who is not getting disability who deserves it, that's one too many. If there's one person who is not getting service in terms of their retirement benefits on a timely basis, that's one too many. So the way that we kind of manage all this, because it could be pretty overwhelming, is that we focus on the number one. And anytime you focus on the number one, you can normally figure out the right things to do that benefits everybody. Oh, can, so, I add, uh, can I add to that, Don? Yeah, you, you go right ahead. You're all rolled. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that your listeners hear a lot about is the fraud that's going on in our local government. And I know you reported extensively about the Spring Lake situation where we had a lady who embezzled $550,000 from the town of Spring Lake. 150000 of it wasn't made out to Don Curtis. It was made out to the Heritage Nursing Home for the benefit of this lady's mother for her nursing home bills and even put the name of her mother in the memo line off the city's bank account. So I know that oftentimes with the newsmaker listeners that they they get discouraged and lose, lose confidence in their government. This Spring Lake situation is a coming together of a Republican state treasurer, a Democrat state auditor, uh, Beth Wood, and a Democrat Biden appointed U.S. federal attorney, Michael F. Easley Jr. So after an investigation by Auditor Wood uh, over about a five week period of time or six weeks, the person who embezzled this money was arraigned, indicted, and pled guilty to these charges. Now I know that's sort of interesting to your listeners, but what I'm about to say may be more interesting. We have a felony forfeiture law in the books of North Carolina. The felony forfeiture law, when somebody commits a crime within their public service duties, allows us to go in and remove their pension credit away from them for the years that they were embezzling. We have done that in this case. And so it's not just trying to get the money back and there's not much hope of that in Spring Lake situation, but also making sure that the pension benefit that this person was earning while they were embezzling money uh, that they don't, do not get. And I hope that will bring some level of comfort uh, to your listeners that this is an example of people from different genders, different political parties, and different levels of government working together for the common good of the people of Spring Lake in this case, or North Carolina. Well, uh, just out of curiosity, because $500,000, of course, in this day and age is, is a, a small amount when you look at a state budget or a federal budget or plan, but for a town the size of Spring Lake, that's a huge amount of money. How did that go undetected for as long as it did? Lack of transparency, lack of competence, lack of governance by the city council. So how, what can other communities and other towns benefit as far as learning from that experience to be sure that, that that's not replicated somewhere else? They can ask the questions no one else wants to ask. And I know that uh, some people have said that 
because of what we're trying to do at the treasurer's office that we get in a lot of powerful people's way. And we don't really come to work every day and think, thinking, how can we get in somebody's way? What we come to work every day is figuring out how to ask the right questions. We not only have to think inside and outside the box, Don, we have to actually figure out when, when we determine what direction we're going in, how to use both sides of the boxes, out both sides of the box. And that's how it gets off track is group think and nobody having the courage to ask the questions. And I'm just so blessed to be alive after my serious bout with COVID, whatever I wasn't expected to live. I'm just so blessed to, that God gave me the eyesight to see what needs to be done the humility to listen for what needs to be done and the heart to have the courage to act on what needs to be done. Because you know, and I know, and Jason knows, it's not enough for somebody just to point out a problem. We got serious problems all over, but we don't need Ernest T. Bass. You know, Ernest T. Bass is that fictional character from the Andy Griffith show. Uh, and he would go, every problem was a window and every solution was a rock. And he would come up to the window, as you remember, and say, it's me, it's me, it's Ernest T. And he would throw the rock and giggle and go to the next one. We don't need people who just throw rocks. We need people who actually attack problems, not attack people. Well, I'm going to change subject one more time. And we've got about two and a half minutes for you. Bring us up to date on unclaimed cash. This is money that is in the state treasurer's pocket that actually belongs to people who, uh, Perhaps they don't even know that they have some money awaiting them. And you are working very hard to return all that money, but you need their help. Well, as former treasurer Richard Moore once told me, we shouldn't get so much joy in returning people their own money back. <laughs> but some, somehow we do. Um, there's a there's a billion dollars. I'm going to say that again. There's a billion dollars sitting at nccash.com. There are twice as many records as our citizens. It's not a gimmick. Your chances are better than playing the lottery. But unlike the lottery, there's no cost to look up your name or your business or your nonprofit or your church. There's no charge to make a claim. The money stays there forever. And if you've happened to have lived in another state, they also have the equivalent of nccash.com. So it never fails, Don that somebody has heard me talk about nccash.com on newsmakers and they've gone and checked their name, including a lady five weeks ago in Brevard who went to nccash.com and guess what she found? Nothing. But she started thinking about the fact she lived in Michigan 32 years and she went to Michigan's equivalent of nccash.com and found $3,000. That's one of your listeners. And my point is, it's just another valuable reason to listen to newsmakers, not to just to be affirmed about how you think about a particular topic, but to actually be informed. Well, that, that's an interesting point because all states have a, the same thing. And if you uh, are new to North Carolina and you have uh, checked your North Carolina fund, you, you should check the states that you've lived in before because what happens is when companies lose your address, they are by law required to put the money in the hands of the of the state in which uh, you were living at the time. And and uh, I, every time I've ever checked it, either for our company or for my uh, 
of my account or even my relatives. I've always found money. Uh, sometimes it's more than I thought and sometimes it's not much, but it's it's money that basically belongs to you and me and the state is glad to return it and wants to return it. Right. Uh, so you can find out more information about that by going to NC Cash and find out more about it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back uh, with our guest, State Treasurer Dale Falwell. We want to talk about interest rates when it comes to borrowing money when we come back. And we'll do that right after these messages. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Watch out! They got me! The galaxy is safe once again. In the pretend universe, kids play with pretend guns. In the real world, it's up to us to make sure they don't get their hands on a real gun. If you have a gun in the house, keep it locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Dale Falwell. He is the state treasurer of North Carolina. We're going to get back to Dale in just a moment, but I'd like to remind you that if you're listening to this program on many of our affiliates, you're listening to a half-hour version of the program, and the uh, program in its entirety is actually uh, an hour. It's actually 45 minutes of content. So if you would like to hear the two segments that you miss on the half-hour version, you can get those by going to carolinanewsmakers.com. Or if you'd like to hear the entire broadcast, or perhaps you tuned in late, you can also hear the entire broadcast, again, by going to carolinanewsmakers.com. And I might mention also that all of our former programs are archived, and so you can go back and hear the words, for example, of Dale Falwell and his previous appearances on the program. And I think in, in the case of Dale Falwell, you're going to find them to be very consistent. Uh, and so... If you uh, would like to go back, I don't know how many times, how many times do you think you've been on this program, Dale? number of times. Um, over my legislative career, Assistant Secretary of Commerce, I'd say at least uh, 25. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe even more than that. And uh, Jason, we always was appreciate middle, Jason was in middle school when we started this. Well, that's right. It, and he's all the way to high school now. So he's he's doing quite well. Well, he, um, did, he didn't know, spend as many years in high school as you and I did, though. Well, that's right. It took me a long time to get out. It actually took me a lot longer to get out of college than it did high school. But that's a that's another point for another day. I think uh, we'll talk about yeah. that for 11 minutes, your college experience. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We've talked a lot about the savings that uh, you have been working on in the area of administrating the state health care program and, and maintaining the, uh, the uh, 
the premiums and so forth for the uh, state health plan for the employees of uh, of uh, the state and the local governments in North Carolina. We've talked about fighting fraud. That's a matter of saving money. Uh, we've talked about uh, saving on management fees. Uh, but uh, one of the things that does happen and is under your supervision, and that is the buying of bonds. And North Carolina has an unusually good state bond rating. So bring us up to date on where that stands and uh, and uh, how you feel like uh, we are faring in that area. Well, uh, uh, great news for your listeners. Uh, I'm telling them something that they've never heard. Uh, the state debt is going to fall 60% over eight years and uh 60% is from my understanding is not something that any county city state or nation has ever done to have their their debt fall by 60% so I get asked uh often about these higher interest rates and their people are shocked when I say it's not affecting us on the general obligation bonds because we're actually retiring the debt and investing the money at higher interest rates. Uh, it's a great outcome. And the credit for this, Don, goes to the taxpayers and employers like yourself across North Carolina and your listeners, but also the General Assembly, who has balanced its budget, built surpluses, and established rainy day funds. We, we talk about uh, the state government very often, and, and, uh, and we've brought up inflation and recession. And because our state government has been so efficient, those two issues are not nearly as much a factor for North Carolina as it will be for many other states, and especially for the federal government. Yes. Uh, I won't, always want the newsmaker listeners to rely on everything I say. And by the way, I just want to correct you on one thing in the earlier part of the segment about how people go to the archives and listen to this. If they happen to sit in their church parking lot and not go into service because they want to listen to you and me on newsmakers, please don't tell the preacher. I've heard <laughs> preachers get really upset about the fact that their their uh, parishioners will say, well, I didn't come into the service because I was so enthralled with what Don Curtis and Dale Falwell were saying to me. Uh, that really happened to me, by the way. Somebody said that. Uh, but uh, but going back to the, uh, the interest rate thing, uh, we are saving a tremendous amounts of debt service by not paying, uh, by not issuing more debt and actually retiring debt. And this is what I was going back to a moment ago about credibility. I believe possibly that the increase in interest rate, I'll say this slowly because I used to stutter, the increase in interest rate at the federal level because the debt is skyrocketing and interest rates have skyrocketed the difference in the interest rate of the last two years may be larger than the military budget. I believe that the national debt of the United States is the single biggest national security issue that we're facing. Well, what's the answer to that? I know this doesn't fall under your area of uh, concern. Well, it does fall under your area of concern, but it's not something that you can do a lot about. What is the secret? Is because we've had Democratic and Republican administrations both uh, continuing to increase the amount of federal debt. I mean, it, this the Democrats blame the Republicans or Republicans blame the Democrats, but the truth of the matter, both parties are, are guilty. Exactly right. And, you know, on the Republican side, uh, 
you've heard of rhinos, we have pinos. It's a new term I'm introducing on Newsmakers today, P-I-N-O. It stands for politician and name only. <laughs> and the night they're elected, they peak. That's, that is the peak of their public service career is the night they're elected. They don't do one thing after that. Not one thing that they promised their constituents to do. And then we get to Raleigh and Washington. They do something totally different than what they put on their job application. But going back to your answer, we don't need pinos. We don't need shirkers. We don't need people who don't show up for their job. What we need people who is will attack problems and not attack people. And will if they have to say no, which is how we get out of this situation, they have the courage to spell it K-N-O-W. And as I said to a newspaper last year for the New Year's resolution, if public service are going to, servants are going to put their left hand on the Bible and raise their right hand to uphold the laws of their community, this state, or this country, if they can't, if they're going to show up and if they're going to stand up, if they can't do that without attacking problems and not attacking people, then I hope they'll just sit down and shut up. That's how we're going to get our arms around this national debt issue. And it's a big pendulum, Don, just like the state debt. I mean, we were we were heading up toward a cliff with the state debt leading up to 2010. And once this pendulum starts to turn at the federal level, it turns hard and fast. And I'm but they've got to have the clarity of thought and the uh, things in sequence so that we can retire the national debt. Because I do think you said it doesn't have anything to do with me. All the savings that we've incurred, Don, over the last couple of years, as far as the state debt going down 60%, I would dare say that most of that has been eaten up by inflation. The cost of paper towels, the cost of tires, the cost of asphalt and concrete, the cost of labor, that most of that's been eaten up by inflation. So these things that happen at the federal level are very highly impactful to me as the state treasurer of North Carolina and the keeper of the public purse. Well, you brought up a very important factor. I'm sure the uh, congressional leaders looked uh, or thought uh, perhaps they were misled in their desire to have programs, new programs introduced and so forth that uh, they felt were worthwhile by the low cost of interest, but the interest rates are going up uh, what double, triple from what they've been, and uh, as you said, the interest bill is going to be huge, huge. Well, they got seduced. There's no other word for it. Uh, they're yeah. addic they're addicted to money. They're addicted to overspending. They're addicted to these low interest rates. And let me tell you who's going to suffer. And I get pretty passionate about this. It's the invisible, the forgotten man and woman of this state. The lower and fixed income people of North Carolina, they're the ones that proportionally where it's going to cost more to eat, more to heat and and more to drive to otherwise live. They're the ones that are going to get damaged and punished by these addictions to money and addiction to high to low interest rates. Well, it, it's uh, I guess the old saying when the chickens come home to roost and the chickens may be coming home to roost here. Pretty soon. 
Well, it's four o'clock, uh, almost five o'clock, and I hadn't had lunch yet, so I appreciate you not mentioning anything about food right now. <laughs> well, I, well I, 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 by the way, I'll mention that we are pre-recording this program this week uh, so that uh, Dale can do some other uh, duties and responsibilities and so forth, and I'm sorry that you're missing lunch. Okay, Dale, so we've got about two and a half minutes left in the program. What's on your agenda right now? What are the top four or five things that you're going to be looking at doing and accomplishing during the next three months? Uh, what I'm going to be doing is is continuing to talk to people like adults and, and what they hear makes common sense. Uh, I was thinking as I was driving into Raleigh the other day uh, about my time here, eight years as a member of the General Assembly, Speaker Pro Tem, three years as the Assistant Secretary of Commerce, and now uh, in my sixth year as the Keeper of the Public Purse. And I was thinking about all that, and it just came, I just came to this conclusion that when I talked in the earlier segment about God giving me the vision to see, the humility to listen, and the courage to act, I was thinking about what really drives me is the desire to get to the root causes of problems. It's not enough to blame, spew rage, insult people about these serious problems about public education, what we're going to do with the roads and so many important issues like health care and, and mental health, especially. It's not enough just to do that. And what we have to do is, is we have to work. I'm a conservative. The root word of conservative is to conserve. The root word of liberal is to liberate. You cannot be liberated and have the economic mobility and the upward upward achievement and the joy of achievement in your life if you don't first conserve. So what we've allowed is we've allowed these people to make hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars on spewing rage and keeping us divided. And we've got to stop that because we have serious problems, not only with the national debt, but the unaffordability of health care, uh, the disaster that's happening uh, as we shut down our schools during COVID and, and so many, many, many important issues. And that's what's so great about newsmakers is that, as I said in the earlier segment, you give people the opportunity to be informed on these very important topics, not just to be affirmed. And what I'm focused on on top of that is to is to make sure that the state treasurer's office stays in the check delivery business. Dale, thank you so much for spending time with us and being so candid in your responses, as you always are. Dale Falwell, the state treasurer of North Carolina, as he said, in his sixth year in that job. And uh, we hope to have you back on again in a couple of months and uh, get an update on all these matters that we've been talking about. Our program has been produced by Jason Cog, and we will be back again next week with another guest. If you missed the program or would like to hear a repeat of the broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and not only hear a repeat of this broadcast or the two segments you might have missed, or you can go back and hear previous programs as well. We'll be back again next week on the same group of stations all across North Carolina. Have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.